All right. Good morning, guys. Good morning. There we go. How are y'all doing today? Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, welcome to Sulphur Community Church. My name is Joey Sedlock. I'm a member here at Sulphur Community, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to join us here. I'm glad that all those online are able to join us there. A special shout out to Remy, who's probably waving right now. I'm waving back to you, pretty girl, just like I said I would, right? Um, and uh, today we get to continue uh, our crushed head and bruised uh, our crushed head and bruised hill series, where, uh, as Blake said, we're gonna we've been taking this trip through the entire Bible, right, from from Genesis to Revelation, taking a look at how it constantly points us to Jesus. Every single story, every single figure, constantly points us to Jesus and 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 God's plan and to redeem His people specifically, right, through the life, death, and resurrection of of Jesus, right? And so today, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going we're to move through the first 20 verses there. Luke chapter 2, I'll give you a little bit of time uh, to kind of find your place there, and uh, we'll pray, and we'll go ahead and get started, okay? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we are thankful. Lord, we're thankful uh, for your word. Lord, we're thankful uh, for your son, and we're thankful uh, that we get a little injection of what feels something like Christmas, you know, right here in the middle of June, because in June 2020, we need, we need something to look forward to. And Lord, I pray that you are here with us today in a, in a special way, Lord, in, in the way that only you can be, Lord, a way that opens eyes to see, in a way that opens ears to hear, Lord, I pray that you are with me specifically as I preach your word, I pray that I am, I am moved out of the way, Lord, and, and, and glory goes to you. Lord, I pray that you move among our hearts, that your word has its, its proper landing, and Lord, that we leave different. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. And so as, as Blake kind of brought up already, right, this, this specific passage, it always makes me think of Christmas, right? It's just, it's just kind of in our brains. I didn't grow up in church, but I've been in church since I was about 16, 17 years old. And, and this is always the verse that comes out, right? We got the nativity scene. Uh, we got the shepherds. All we need is like some wise men with some gifts, and the whole thing's complete. But every time I think about Christmas... I think about some conversations that I've had in the past with some of our uh, more critical brothers and sisters who, who, who want to be sure to remind people that we don't really know if Jesus was born in December. We don't really know that he was born on December 25th. And they're like, you do know he probably wasn't, right, Joey? Oh, oh and, and also, Joey, remember... Christmas is just a stolen pagan holiday that, that Christians have adopted and tried to make holy when really it was just a pagan holiday that y'all hijacked. Remember that, Joey. And, and that's, that's two claims, right? First, that Jesus was not born on December 25th. Second, that Christmas is just this stolen pagan holiday. And we're, we're going to deal with those two real quick. The first one is really, really easy to deal with. Yes, that's true. We have no idea if Jesus was born on December 25th. None. The Bible doesn't tell us, and since the Bible tells us everything that we need to have a God-glorifying life and come to saving faith in Him, the Bible saw it fit to not name a date. It's, it's not in there, so it's okay, and it's just like, okay. Now, what about this idea that Christmas is just this stolen 
pagan holiday. Where did that come from? Well, here's where it came from. Pagan, in this particular instance, I'm referring to someone, or not someone, uh, a group of people that, that worship uh, either multiple gods or, or worship gods that are outside of, uh, at that time, which was just Judaism, right? They were called pagans. In this particular instance, it's a group of people who would worship nature, right? The earth, the seasons, the changings of the seasons, Mother Earth, that type of thing. And what they would do is they had a festival on the winter solstice. And on that festival, they would bring a green tree, like a Christmas tree, right? They would bring a green tree into their house on the winter solstice. And it would be a reminder to them that spring is coming because the winter solstice is typically seen as the harshest day of winter. It has the least amount of sunlight it's late in December. If you look on your calendar, December 21st, 2020 is the winter solstice. It has the, it has the shortest day, which means it has the longest night, and it's in the bitter cold of winter. It was, it was seen as the hardest day to survive winter. And if you survive that day, well, all the days after that should be a little bit easier. So you'd bring a tree into your house, an evergreen tree, and it would remind you that spring is coming that new life is coming, though that everything is dead right now, if you just hold on, there will be a, a, a resurrection of nature where the snow and the gray clouds will all go away and, and grass and trees, they will all come back. Well, Christian missionaries looking to reach these pagans, what they did was they came alongside of that and, and they adopted some of their uh, and they adopted some of their traditions, right? We bring trees in our house, right? Um, and and they adopted some of their traditions so that they didn't come in there and say all your traditions are whack and they're ridiculous and they're based in this in this mythology. You got to get rid of all of them. You got to adopt all of ours. No, no, no. They came in and they actually adopted some of their traditions, right? Because you can read all of Scripture and it never says don't bring a tree in your house. So we're free to do that. So now we bring trees in our house, but they said, but listen, we have a better story. We have a more real story. While, while y'all are looking around and you see nothing but death and you look forward to a resurrection, we have a real story of a real Savior that can bring real hope, not in seasons that come and go, but for the rest of your life. We have the story of a real resurrection that can really make a difference, that on the bleakest days, not just of winners, but, but in your day-to-day -day reality, in your darkest time, you can have hope, you can have light in the darkest of times. We have a better story for you. We have the story of Jesus. And if we're going to hold a celebration... If we're going to hold a celebration centered around the coming of life, and the coming of resurrection that, that brings hope and gets you through tough times, listen, let's have a celebration about the birth of Christ, the birth of our Savior. And this has turned into the exchanging gifts and bringing trees to our house and lights and festivals and time to be married. This has turned into what is us, is, is Christmas. And so our boy Luke here, he's also going to kind of begin with a history lesson here. And he's going to show us that a real Savior was really born in a real time, in a real city, and that he can bring real hope. And so look with me in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee 
from the town of Nazareth to Judea, in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was a house, he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, uh, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the end. Now, I read this at the tail end of last week, so we're going to move through it kind of quickly here. But Luke starts off noting some very historical details. And we know that Luke is traditionally believed to be a doctor, so he doesn't name him. There's nothing in there that's accidental or superfluous. It's in orderly fashion, and it's there for a reason. So he tells us, look, in real history, the events that I'm about to tell you happened. It was when Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome, right? He took over after Julius Caesar, right? The dude who was stabbed a bunch of times by his best friends. That guy. He took over right after him, and he is really the emperor, right? And it's at the, also at the same time that Quirinius was, Assyria, was the governor of Assyria, right? These have dates attached to him. Uh, Caesar Augustus ruled from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. You know why it switched from B.C. to A.D.? Because of what we're talking about here today, because of the birth of Christ, right? Uh, Quirinius was governor. He rose to political power in about 12 B.C. He died about 21 A.D. These are real people. And so Luke has given us a real setting in, 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 in which a real Savior would be born. Right? And he's also bringing, he's also bringing these contrasts. Right? He's going to contrast God and man. He's going to contrast light and dark. He's going to contrast uh, human power and God's power. Right? Where he tells us that, look, Caesar Augustus wants everyone in the world to be counted, right? They're just talking about the, the, the Roman Empire, the known world to them. He wants everyone to be counted. He wants the census to go out. Well, what happens? People go and get counted. It seems like he has this power over the whole world that people do whatever he says. He's emperor. But in that time, what does it say? It says David went to Bethlehem. What that, what that lets us know is, yeah, this dude's emperor. Yeah, this dude's powerful. Yeah, the whole world bends to his will is what it seems like but it's just a mere tool in the hand of God to accomplish his purposes. He uses that to bring Joseph to Bethlehem because he's in the line of David, because this is fulfilling the promises that God has already made to us in the Old Testament. And his son is born in a manger, right? Very simple, very humble, pointing us to a humble Savior, absolutely to God's plan. Why was he born in a, why was he born in a manger? What well, it says right there, because there was no room at the end, right? Because it was part of God's plan, because this is how God wanted it to go down. But that is the preface to what, what Luke actually wants to tell us here, right? That is, that is the historical setting, and, and Luke wants to tell us, like, hey, this is real. It really happened. And it's like, what really happened? Starting in verse 8, and it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear, right? And so this is, this is where we're going to get to the, the meat of what actually Luke wants to talk about, right? We have the setting. We know the setting is real. We know it involves real people. We know it really took place at a time in history. And here's what it is in the same place, a couple miles maybe outside of Jerusalem, right? In the same place, there are these shepherds. We've already talked about the emperor, right? 
the king of all the land, the, the highest. You didn't get any higher than him. Matter of fact, he was often deified. He was often thought about maybe being part God himself. And then it says, now Luke says, great, that dude's over there. He's doing his thing. Now listen, let's talk about these shepherds. And there's another contrast that we have there, right? Because these shepherds, these represent the lowly. The humble. Remember when we talked about David and his job as a shepherd, right? When he just sits among the sheep, right? Cleaning, you have to clean, you have to be perpetually in this, in this cleansing ritual because you're always dirty. You're always scrubbing, uh, you know, just what naturally comes from taking care of animals out of your clothes, right? You're always taking care of, of sickness and, and, uh, and these animals that, that have no idea how to remain clean for themselves, right? So it's your job to keep them safe, keep them clean, keep them going. And it says we have these shepherds here. And in this time, shepherds aren't thought of very highly, though Scripture always describes them uh, in, in a positive way. Shepherds are not held in high regard here, right? And so this is, this is the opposite of being emperors, being a shepherd. But Luke says, listen, listen what comes to these shepherds. As they keep, their, as they keep watch over their flocks by night, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, right? So, so night is dark, right? And then we have this collision between heaven and and earth. We have angels, they show up. Light is now broken into darkness, and this light is shown to, to the lowly and the humble, and the, an angel of the Lord shows up, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and this glory of the Lord, this is this, this Shekinah glory, right? This is, this is God's majestic presence, right? Moses talked about it in Exodus. David talks about it in Psalms. Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah uh, and Luke talks about it after this and in the book of Acts, right? This is the glory of the Lord that Stephen saw when he looked into heaven before he was stoned, right? And says that this glory of the Lord, it shone around them. And what do we see? We see that reaction that, that, that we normally see when this shows up. They're feared, they're filled with great fear. And the angel begins to speak. And what we see is that the, that the grace and the mercy of God and his message of his son, it dispels fear. In verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day, uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so the very first thing that the angels have to say, right? I told you all this last week when angels are in school to be angels, that's, they have to say this. Fear not. But this is a different fear not, right? It's not a fear not. Uh, I, I've not come to judge you. It's a, it's a fear not. And, and that word for... Right? And I told you, you can, you can replace this with the word because, right? The reason you are not to fear is because I have good news. And this good news, it's going to bring great joy. And it will be for, for all people. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, right? And so God's mercy and God's love and God's good news of his son, it dispels fear. And the announcement the, the announcement itself, that is the good news. And this good news is, is, uh, is the response to this good news is, is great joy, right? And, this, and what Luke is doing here is this particularly parallels the announcement 
of a new emperor, right? This is how they would be announced, right? Good news that brings great, uh, that brings great joy for all of Rome, for we have, we have a new emperor, we have a new head muckety-muck that's in charge. And what Luke is doing is he's given this pronunciation, uh, he's given this pronunciation significance, greatness. He is declaring the greatness. We, we have a Savior who was born, greater than the emperor, whose work will be more extensive than, than even the one who we're not even sure if he's fully man. He might be God too, right? And I'm talking about the emperor there. We know that, of course, Christ is fully man and fully God. And it says that this is, this is for all people. Now, right here, we just keep context in mind. He's probably still talking about Israel for all the people of, of Israel. Luke has not widened up and, and brought us Gentiles in. That's okay. We in there, right? We represented in the shepherds. We, we'll get to that in just a minute, right? But, but here in verse 11, he says, he said, and here it is. Here's my good news that will bring great joy onto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So he says, look, here's your joy. Here's your great joy, Right? Today, not later, not sometime in the future, not, not a puzzle for you to figure out. This day is born to you. This real day in real history, this is really happening right now in the city of David, right? That's a reminder, just like God said it would, a Savior, a Deliverer. The anointed one, the one who will take away our guilt, who is Christ, who is Messiah, who is the fulfiller of God's promises, who is the fulfiller of our hope, the Lord, the sovereign, the divine, the author of salvation, the one who satisfies forever. That's who's born. I have good news of great joy for born onto you this day, exactly where he said he would be. Is deliverer, fulfiller, satisfier. Jesus is born onto us. And he said, and if you don't believe me, here's a sign, right? And if you don't believe me, here is a sign. The sign will be for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, right? And, and this may have been perhaps a little unexpected, right? That's, that's what we talked about last week. The, the coming of Jesus and who Jesus was and how he got here was a bit unexpected. And, and we already have some unexpected elements in here, right? And, and it says you will find him laying in a manger. This is the second time in 11 verses that Luke brings up that Jesus was born and then laid in a manger. And it serves as a sign. The news of Jesus' coming, the first people told are not the rich, not the powerful, not the influencers, but shepherds, the lowly, the humble, the downtrodden. And Jesus isn't born in a palace. Jesus isn't even born in an inn. Jesus is born in an animal trough. 
He's born in a manger, and he says, this is your sign. This is how you can know that, that someone can be described in these terms, sent by God, and you're going to find this person in a manger. And as we know, this fits perfectly into who Jesus is. This fits perfectly into who Jesus is going to come and aim uh, uh, to reach and to bring into the kingdom of God. And, and we rejoice for that, right? Because, because that's us. That's all of us in this room, right? We, we, were, not, we were not Israelites who, who, who said that they were looking for this, but, but really got upset when Jesus came and didn't look like what they thought he should look like, right? We were the shepherds. We were the ones who were unclean. We were the ones who were rejected. We were the ones who, who, who did not expect for this news to come to us. This, this perfectly provides a bookend to the life of Jesus that begins with birth in a manger and ends with being murdered between two criminals. And this is the perfect will of the Father, the perfect plan of God the Father who orchestrates every single detail. And the response to this good news, right, is great joy. What I believe to be a second sign comes in verse 13. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Right? And so, and so if, if the, hey, you're going to find this baby that I've just described laying in a feeding trough somewhere, if that wasn't proof enough, heaven literally burst open and the weight of, uh, uh, of the gospel that has gone out, it breaks through the night and, and a glimpse into heaven is opened up and it says, it says and suddenly, right, because this didn't happen uh, you know, real slowly, this happens all at once, and suddenly there's a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And this, this word multitude here, I looked it up in the Greek, it's a really special word. It means a whole bunch of them. There's a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they're just singing glory, right? They're just singing praises. It, it, it reminds us of Revelation when you read that, where it says that they march around the throne constantly, day in, day out, for all eternity. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who is and, the, and, who, and who is to come, the one who was and is to come, right? And, and this provides commentary on what the announcement means, right? They come and they say, here is what Jesus being born actually means. And very first thing they say is glory to God in the highest. Praise be to God in the highest, in the heavens, in the highest of places, right? So the very first thing they do is say the birth of Jesus properly orients your gaze upward. It, it takes your view off of earthly things and off of earthly problems, and it points you upward. Raise your gaze to heaven. Jesus has been born. Glory to God who is in the highest. And then what flows from that, what, fro what flows from that, that proper orientation, that proper gaze upon God, the outworking of the birth of Jesus, the outworking of salvation is on earth, 
peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace between God and humanity. Peace between creator and created. The long-awaited shalom from the Old Testament. Finally, for, for the first time since Genesis chapter 3, mankind can have peace, can have right standing, not just on the day of atonement, but for all the days of his life. Through Jesus, man, the created, can have peace with the creator. And this peace... It belongs to those with whom he, God, is pleased. It belongs to those whom God has poured out his favor. With those who, who hear the message of a Messiah born in a manger and react with joy. They don't react with, with cynicism. They don't react with, with, no, that's not who... Jesus is, that can't be who the Messiah is because he doesn't look like how I expected him to look. He's not doing the things that I would expect God the Savior to do. He's not coming in trying to overthrow kings and take over Rome and reestablish the kings of Israel over all the world. He's coming in and he's riding on donkeys and he's washing feet, feet, just feet. Uh, right? And, and he's being crucified on the cross. That's, that's not what I thought of when I read of the Davidic king that would rule forever. So this can't be the guy. This is not good, mood, good news to those people. This is not going to bring peace to those people. This brings peace on whom look at Jesus in his humble estate and react the same as Mary did and say, I am your servant. Your word come to pass. I'm in. No matter what it costs me, and I know it's going to cost me everything, but I'm in. Those who have the posture of a shepherd, this this is good news. And this is whom gained peace through the gospel, who gained peace through the real birth of a real baby who was really born in a manger. And here's the shepherd's reaction, right? And in verse 15, and we're going we're gonna to end it here in verse 20. It says, When the angels went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, All who heard it wondered at what uh, the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as uh, as it had been told them. Their response to seeing everything that they saw and hearing everything that they had heard, their response is, let's go. Their response is to move. Their response is an action uh, as a result of truth, right? Their, 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 their response is, we cannot remain unchanged by what we've seen. You come in real contact with the real Messiah of all the earth, the real, the real Savior, you cannot remain unchanged. Their response is in faith. 
they have been given a, a tangible confirmation. If you don't believe me, go here. You will find exactly what I told you you would find. Go and look for yourself. Their response is, let's go. And then when they get there, their response is to give testimony. They get there. The, the, the promises of God have been confirmed. They find the baby laying in the manger, and they say, listen, you have got to hear this. You have got to hear what has come to me. I, I understand that, that I'm not uh, this especially gifted guy. I understand that I'm not uh, rich and powerful and an influencer, and everybody knows who I am. But listen, the living God has, has made something known to me. It has been confirmed to me. I have witnessed it with my eyes. And Listen, you have got to hear. And he tell, they tell Mary and Joseph everything that happens. And it says that, that everyone standing around them, it says that they heard it and they wondered, right? They were awestruck. These shepherds show up. Their story matches perfectly up with, with Mary's story, and they are absolutely awestruck. And when, when, when God's word comes to pass, right, testimony follows, testimony of his faithfulness, testimony of his truthfulness. And Luke ends uh, this passage in, in what, what seemed to be a little bit weird to me. He, he zooms in on Mary specifically, and he says that she has treasured up all these things, and she pondered them. She reflected on them in her heart. Mary's not walking away from this unchanged. Her heart has been changed forever. And it tells us that the shepherds, they went back home, right? And they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and all that had been turned them. The shepherds, they were changed forever. Their, their faith had been deepened. Their faith had been confirmed. They experienced something. They experienced something real on a real day, a real Jesus that brings real hope. And it tells us that all who heard it, they were wondered, they were awestruck. We don't know how they were changed. We don't know if they were changed. We don't know if that change really lasted. So what we see is the response to Jesus, the response to the gospel, the response to the Savior. There's a lot of responses to it. But my question here today is, what has been your response to it? What has been, what has been your experience is this real for you? Is your faith real for you? Did you really come in contact with the real Savior of all the earth, the real Messiah? Savior, Christ, Lord, do those words land on you? Do they move you? Do they, do they clench your heart? Do you, do you read the story of the shepherds and say, thank God this news comes to people like me? Is your life changed? You cannot come in contact with Jesus and remain unchanged. If you have, then you have not come in contact with the real Savior. I don't know what you've come in contact with, but it's not Jesus. I can't tell you that this morning on the way here, I was run over by a train. And then and expect you to believe me because you're going to look at me and you're going to say, Joey, that's, that's, that's too hard to believe, right? Because you would, you would be obliterated. You would, you would show signs of that. You, you, you couldn't stand here and preach. That's too powerful. And I would say the same. 
You cannot come in here and say, yes, I've come in contact with the real Jesus. He really saved me. I really understand. But my, my, my life just shows no evidence of that whatsoever. I would have to give up my story. I would have to say, I really didn't come in contact with this train. And, and, and what I would beg for you to do is, is, is analyze and take a look and, and read these types of uh, passages and read uh, the truths and the faithfulness of God and, and, and really take a look at what's going on in your life and, and what lands on your heart and what blows you from side to side and what, what moves you to action and say, is that Jesus? Is that Messiah? Is that the Lord? Is this real for you? And if it is, that is good news. That brings great joy. That is far more satisfying than seasons of happiness or seasons of of depression or mountaintop experiences or valleys or, or whatever it is you're going through. The chaos that is uh, you know, our day-to-day lives, the chaos that is the year 2020. And if you come to the conclusion that you haven't, I would pray that you, that you cry out to him, that you cry out to a real God who really listens, who can really do something. In him put your hope for it is real hope that will not fail, that cannot fail. And I would pray that, that we just really ask ourselves those questions. That we are real with ourselves before we, you know, before we seek to, to, to bear ourselves before God. You know, just be real with yourself for a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you. And Lord, we are thankful that you really save. We don't have just a good story, Lord. We have a true story. We can get up here and, and, and we can preach and we can be passionate and we can be uh, uh, brought to tears. But if at the end of it, we said, well, none of this is really true. It would, it would, it would all be for naught, Lord. We thank, we're thankful that this is true. Lord, we're thankful that the hope that you bring is real and that it's lasting. Lord, and that it perseveres and persists through all other things that seek to take that away from us or blind us to it or minimize the impact that you have. Lord, I pray that that you would move, of course, in, in a way that only you can, that you would reveal and shine light in places that we are completely uh, oblivious to even existing, Lord, that you would expose to us our blind, our blind spots, our, our motives, the depths of our heart. And Lord, that you would bring good news that causes great joy to anyone who does not